Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is The Call, start of a brand new trading week. Great to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. This is the program. It is 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all over the course of an hour. And I will timestamp this at just past noon on this Monday, December the 6th. I am very pleased to welcome into studio Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. And via Skype, we've got Henry Jennings joining us from Marcus today. Gaurav, I will start with you. Boy, were you twitchy when that crypto crash happened, all your crypto holdings? I couldn't sleep, Nadine. <laughs> <laughs> I sure was. Look, I, I didn't even know it had crashed until I think I saw it on, I just read a headline yeah. and that's, that was the extent of my interest in it. I, I can't help thinking that maybe I'm missing something because a lot of smart people I know are actually attached to crypto and I've tried to keep an open mind about it and I've tried to ask sensible people for the investment case. It may be just me, but I do not understand the investment case at all. And just from the behavioral, um, just looking at people's behavior, the extent of the participation in crypto, the fact that um, a few of the smart people I know are in it, but a lot of the not so smart people I know are also in it. Um, I'm going to go and call this one of the most, one of the biggest delusions of the last 100 years. And that's not to say that Bitcoin itself will, will fail or that crypto and blockchain won't work. But all these associated secondary coins, um, every coin beneath Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think is most likely going to zero. And I think people are going to lose enormous amounts of money in this. It's probably in every, in every great crash. There's usually an element of, of truth and something that transforms society. Um, but I, I don't know where that will be in crypto. I'm sure something good will come of it, but it won't be massive wealth generation over the long term. I'm glad in I asked. In case you're asking. I am glad I asked. <laughs> Let's get to more familiar territory. Henry Jennings, Marcus Today. Uh, look, we had anticipated we would see a lot of volatility in the wake of that flash crash from crypto that we'd see heavy selling potentially in the Asian session. That's not happening today, but markets are on high alert because of Omicron and everything else. Is a Santa Claus rally and the prospects of it been put to bed? Um, yeah, hi Nadine. I, I love your comments, Gaurav, on, on crypto. I must admit, uh, I, I do tend to agree with you completely. Uh, and it was interesting last week, there was a, a story about uh, a bunch of crypto investors that got together to buy the US Constitution. Uh, it was up for sale, one of the, one of the copies of uh, the, the Constitution. And it went for 43 million US dollars. They raised about 40 million, so they missed out. And when they tried to give the money back to people, the refunds, it was costing a huge amount of money to actually process mm. the refunds in Ether, mm. um, which to me is just ridiculous. This isn't the whole point of crypto? that it's cheap and easy mm. rather than uh, a massive transaction cost involved. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you a, a little bit, Gaurav, I must admit. As far as, and, and when you look at crypto, wasn't one of the things that we uh, were told by the advocates was that it was this hedge 
like gold when the market went down, then crypto would be a hedge. What we've seen is actually the cryptos goes down and then it infects the market or vice versa. But they both are moving in tandem. So, so much for the hedge factor in crypto. So I'm still very much in the non-believer camp, even though there's $3 trillion worth of uh, crypto out there. But mm. it may be just be crypto crapto as far as I'm concerned. Well, we will leave that there then because I <laughs> uh, don't have time for a full rebuttal. But also, uh, we're here for equities, aren't we? So let's get to the stock of the day. And that is Metcash. So it has revealed a 10.5 cent per share dividend after reporting a bump in profits. Shares are doing very well today, up more than 5%. Sales momentum continuing into the second half as well. Void by customers shopping closer to home, but also uh, it's looking forward to a pretty strong Christmas and New Year's. It's sounding very positive about the season to come. Uh, yes, supply chain, yes, labor costs were flagged. And uh, as well, the company is saying that it will invest more in digital operations in the next half. I will start with you, Gorab, mm. since you're in studio here with me. But what do you think? I mean, there are a lot of people that are very cashed up. Uh, are you expecting to see upgrades coming after this up update? There may well be, actually. These are a really good set of numbers. There's already been fairly high expectations about Metcash, and it's easy to see why. There's a lot of forces that are working in their favor at the moment. Of course, we've got this colossal building boom underway, mm -hmm. and that's going to help their, uh, building, um, their building retail business, um, their Mitre 10 business. But we've also got this uh, more mysterious switch um, in consumer behavior, where, as you noted, there's, there's been, uh, consumers are now shop, shopping more locally, um, and they're foregoing large centers and going towards more regional focused um, shopping centers. That's had very big impacts on the prices of regional property centers and also on the sales of, of regional um, shops. And, and IGA is one of the foremost of those regional shops. So I, I would, the, 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 um, the future of Metcash really depends on how sustainable that trend is. Is this change in consumer behavior a, a permanent change or is it a short-term response to the pandemic? I don't have the answer to that, but my suspicion is it's probably a more short-term cyclical thing. And, um, and certainly what's happening in the building cycle is certainly a, a crazy short-term boom time thing, which is related to interest rates. Um, so it looks to me as though Metcash is probably over-earning at the moment. It looks pretty cheap on multiples. It's generating the best results it has in years. It has always been a well-managed business and it remains one, but I think it's over-earning and I'd be taking profits at this level. So you would be selling I'd be Metcash. I'd be selling. Selling slowly, but still selling. Thank you. How about you, Henry Jennings at Marcus today? Because it is trading at a discount to market. I think City said about 35%. And it's also trading at a significant discount to its peers. In this uncertain environment, a lot of these consumer staples will continue to do well. Would you be taking profits in Metcash? Um, a good set of results, I've got to say, from these guys, especially in hardware, which, as Gaurav was talking about, you know, we do have a building boom at the moment. Now, just as an aside, talking of building booms, you know, when you talk to tradies, if you can actually find one these days, the cost of materials is going to be a big jump uh, come the 1st of January. And we are going to see those supply chain issues and demand issues really push the price of renovations quite a lot higher. They've already risen quite a lot. Now, of course, that could be temporary. But what you do find a lot of the time is that once these price 
increases have been built in, then even when the price of timber, the price of plywood or plasterboard or whatever comes back down, as it hopefully does, then those prices remain in the MITRE 10 stores and those margins just stay and actually increase. So I quite like this one. I've got to say, good set of numbers, great management, good capital management as well, a big rise in the dividend. I've no doubt we will see some broker upgrades come through. Also defensive from the food side of things, although they lost the 7-Eleven, uh, that did have an impact on their sales there. But food, liquor and hardware, especially with the hardware, they're pushing more into trade. The total tools uh, acquisition does uh, look pretty good and they're uh, certainly building out more stores with the total tools next to MITRE 10s as well to really go for that trade market. So I think, you know, at the moment, it's for me, it's certainly a hold. I'm not sure I'll be piling in at these levels. It has had a pretty good bounce back on these numbers, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some broker upgrades continue for this one, that's for sure. Hold NSL for Metcash, the stock of the day. Let's get to it, shall we? To the companies that our viewers have said they'd like you to comment on. And the first on the list is Deep Yellow, D-Y-L. This one is for Benning. Don't have a lot of um, context around it, but uranium. Uranium's been quite hot. Mm -hmm. I just noticed in Canada, a nuclear reactor close to where I grew up is getting a first new reactor in quite some time. I mean, there are... Uh, many talking about a resurgence mm. in nuclear technology, considering our climate change uh, expectations and goals. What do you think? I've been hearing about a nuclear resurgence for about 20 years. I remember the last time uranium prices took off, and there was a, it was around a lot of optimism about China's nuclear um, build-out. And that really hasn't been fulfilled. And those same arguments, those same ambitions are being rehashed again with the added twist of it's now a green fuel. And maybe it's just my craggy, in my craggy experience self um, talking, but I, I'm skeptical about uranium. I have no interest in buying uranium stocks. You know, the, the bet you're taking, okay, let's, let's say you, you buy uranium uh, miner. The bet you're taking is that uranium uh, becomes a, a legitimate um, growing source of fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're taking a secondary bet that the mine you've chosen ends up be going into development and you're take, taking a, a, a tertiary bet, a third bet, that the, um, the mine actually not only goes into, into operation, but then it starts making money and spitting out cash flow. That's a long series of bets you have to make. If you have some sort of conviction or you want exposure to uranium, go out and buy some Silex. Um, I think Silex is the, I, I don't own it myself, I wouldn't buy it myself. But if that's what you want to do, Silex, um, by the way, for those who don't know, yeah. is a, um, they hold a, uh, a, a really sophisticated um, laser enrichment technology. Mm-hmm. Uranium has traditionally been enriched using centrifuges. So they have tens of thousands of centrifuges um, uh, increasing the purity of uranium as mm-hmm. they spin around. But that is a, a really capital intensive and outdated method. And because uranium has been such a, a dull industry for such a long time, there hasn't been a lot of new investment. This is the, uh, the new age way to separate isotopes and to enrich uranium. It's one of the only civilian technologies listed as a state secret by the um, US Defense Department. They've got, um, they're in lockstep with the Defense Department. There's a lot of applications for this. They can actually go through stockpiles of uranium and enrich it rather than using fresh mining material. If it turns out that um, mines are once again consuming lots of uranium. Mm-hmm. 
the enrichment part is, I think, a much better part of the cycle to play rather than the mining part. Because the whole cycle, the, the whole value chain from um, uranium being demanded, plants being built, mines being constructed, that is filled with uncertainty. If you just want a clean exposure to uranium, I think Silex is the better way to go. Thank you. No interest in uranium um, miners for me. Uh, okay, deep yellow. <laughs> I think its mine is in Namibia. Henry, would that be attractive to you? <laughs> I love uh, Gorab's work on Silex. I've been a Silex shareholder since the 90s oh, when wow. this was going to be the ground, the groundbreaking technology that was going to change the uranium world with their laser enrichment. It has been doing the same stuff and trying to sell the same story for a long time. I sold this stock, actually, I've still got about 3,000 shares left for old time's sake. I sold this stock above 13 bucks <laughs> and it's now $1.22. It was a wild ride on the back of Silex, and they were then getting into another business, Translucent, where they were going to use laser uh, technology on, on silicon as well to develop the next generation of computer chips. This was back in 1995. You know, we're 26 years on. This is, you know, this is not a new story. So every now and then Silex does perk itself up, and the same applies with uranium. Every now and then we get a big uh, push from uranium, usually coincides with that physical ETF that uh, Sprott has, where they've basically been trying to corner the physical uranium market. Yeah. Now, the question is, how long can that go on, and whether there's actually deep underlying uh, demand for uranium, as opposed to just some guy uh, using other people's money to corner the market? Now, um, it goes every now and then. Paladin is the way to go if you're really a fan. Deep Yellow as well, to some extent. They did try and take over Vimy Resources recently but were knocked back on that one. And, you know, you really need to see uranium prices go considerably higher still. They languished around 25 to 30 bucks a pound US for a long time. They're now 46. We, when you talk to the Paladin people, they talk about, you know, $50 uh, above per pound to even start really getting serious about opening their mine mm -hmm. in Namibia. So. Um, it's still got a long way to go, the uranium price, to, to, to get these guys into production. But every now and then they perk up. Not, not for me at the moment. These sorts of stocks are a little bit on the nose. Risk off is the way to go. More defensive rather than speculative, I think, is the market. So for me, it's certainly an avoid. I wouldn't be selling it because you've missed the top by a country mile. Uh, it's probably got 80 cents written all over it, I'd say. It's worth noting also that the uranium price, you get a spot price for uranium, but very few transactions actually go through at spot. And most uranium contracts are written um, over a long period of time. And the contract price has not moved and the spot price has moved. I think um, fund buying has influenced the spot price. And I'm not convinced that the fundamentals of uranium have actually changed because that contracted mm -hmm. price has not moved. All right. And a differing opinion on Silex as well. I like how this is going so far. All right, mm. let's get to the next company on the list, Genworth. Now, Macquarie has an outperform on the company, um, saying that uh, the next short-term catalyst is the renewal of a CBA contract that it's got going on. It's got a price target of $3.25 on Genworth. Uh, obviously, a play on the housing market. Uh, would you be putting your money into Genworth? You know, if you had asked me this question a couple of days ago without me having a look at the stock, I would have laughed at you first of all yeah. and said absolutely not. But I'll tell you what, Nadine, after going through it in a bit more detail, this is way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so the, 
I think most people know what Genworth does. It's the one of the. I think there's only two providers of yeah. um, of mortgage insurance in Australia. This one and QBE. So they have a huge market share, but they have sort of a a, a liability exposure somewhere like four five hundred billion dollars, and it's all covered with an equity base of less than two billion dollars. So these guys are promising to cover a lot of loan losses. And I just don't think they're going to be able to cover them if the proverbial hits the fan and property collapses. But until that happens, these guys actually um, pay, they generate really good cash flow, pay out um, steady conservative returns. So you should easily get sort of 5 5%, maybe plus fully franked um, yield out of this. It's a bit like a reverse lottery, you know. There's a, it, you have a very high probability of making a small return and a small probability of, of having a complete disaster, a wipeout mm -hmm. with this stock. So if you're comfortable with that payoff structure, I think you can actually buy this and, and most of the time you'll end up with a, a sort of a six to 8% return. And in this environment, that should be okay. Um, it, it's worth noting that the company also holds a lot of excess capital and does that because as property prices move up, um, it doesn't have to hold as much capital against um, against the property mm -hmm. as it did when it issued the loan. So um, there's a potential here for actually the business to, re to increase dividends even though its lending activity isn't necessarily increasing. So there's probably latent value in, in the business um, at this point and, and I think it makes an, an unobvious buy. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to say buy. Um, and Keep in mind that it is a, a reverse lottery. There is a small probability that you'll be wiped out, but I think you can control that risk with your portfolio allocation. So for a small part of your portfolio, yes, buy. Buy. Greg is written in about Genworth Mortgage Insurance. Henry, would you be buying? I have to say, I've got to agree with Gaurav on this one. Oh no, it we're in trouble. It does look kind of interesting. We are in trouble. Sorry, mate. Uh, we are in trouble. I, I guess the catalyst is, uh, as Macquarie points out, is the CBA contract, which is due by the end of the calendar year, and it's the 6th of December. So it's, uh, we are imminent. We are pregnant with that news. And you'd have to think that there's a pretty good chance they will get that, and that will be a catalyst for a re-rating. I, I don't think we're going to see a massive collapse in Australian property prices. It's been predicted many times before. But what I do think will happen is that we will see you know, time catch up with price to some extent and maybe go sideways for a longer period of time now that we've reached this elevated ridiculous levels in some cases. So I, I'm relatively comfortable with this one. It is trading at a discount to its NTA. It doesn't look bad at all. It's got good capital management. They've got a buyback in place as well, a $100 million buyback in the next month or so. So I think with the CBA, that could be the catalyst. We could see it push back up towards sort of 260 again. So I'm in the buy camp with Gorab on this one. That means it's going in the portfolio. There you go, guys, working together to get it done. Let's get on to the next company on the list. This one's for Paul. Hi, Paul. Don't forget, this is information only. It's not uh, tailored to your personal circumstances. Just keep that in mind. So SmartPay is what Paul would like to know about. SMP. What do you think, Gorab? Mm. So I've come across SmartPay because I've covered Tyro in the mm -hmm. past, and Tyro is a business I quite like. Um, these these two are both what's called merchant acquirers. So they provide the FPOS terminals, and they help process transactions onto um, FPOS and banking systems. It's a really important um, part of, of retail, and it's also super competitive. The market leader is 
uh, other big four banks, which mm -hmm. I think they had about seventy percent in the market. But nibbing at their heels are these um, disruptors like uh, like Tyro and and like SmartPay. SmartPay is a market leader in New Zealand where it makes no money despite its market leadership. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it makes money in Australia is because they have a different revenue model. They actually take a slice of every transaction they put through in Australia. So it's a, it's a really attractive opportunity if they can grow their terminal base. And they have been growing their terminal base really, really quickly. I think this looks kind of interesting actually. It's, um, they offer a different kind of service to Tyro. Tyro is, has a banking license and they're offering a lot of, they're trying to take advantage of the data they get access to mm -hmm. and offer more services. So they're kind of going um, higher market. These guys are just a flat rate, super cheap, and, um, and they, they, they um, compete on price, ideally. Mm -hmm. It's not the sort of business I traditionally like to buy, one that competes mostly on price. But um, I think in this sort of category, there is a large market for that. I'm going to go a hold here, Nadine. I, I think it's interesting, but I, I still think this is not a good a business as Tyro. Mm -hmm. And in the past, Tyro has been super expensive. I think it's quite reasonable now. Um, so from so sort of these guys transact a billion dollars of of uh, of transactions through their terminals, and from that they make a couple of million bucks mm -hmm. in profit. So scale is super important. Tyro has 20 times the transaction mm -hmm. value here and um, they're a lot further ahead when it comes to technology and ancillary services. I'm more interested in Tyra than I am in this. It's a hold for this one. Bonus buy, I think Tyra, you can sort of spec, spec buy that. Thank you. Mm. I was gonna ask about Tyra, so I I'm glad you, you did it for me. <laughs> Henry, would you be buying Smart Pay? It's a very competitive space right. and will likely only get more competitive when we've got the likes of Square and, and all of that mm. moving into the area potentially as well. Uh, yeah, not for me, thanks, Nadine. I've got to say, it's very, very thin uh, as well. It's basically a, a New Zealand stock trying to make inroads over here. They've got around 8,000 terminals in Australia. And I, you know, I'm struggling to get my head around Tyro. I've tried to like it, and I think I watched Gaurav talk about it. And on the basis of, of his sort of enthusiasm or semi-enthusiasm for it, uh, I did have a look at it. But I, I, I still struggled a little bit to get my head around Tyro. Of course, this time last year or coming into this time last year, they had that big outage. And it is a very, very competitive space. And you look at the way CBA is using its technology and they're the, the behemoth in the market using their technology with their new platforms for small businesses. Uh, I think it's hard to compete. It costs a lot of money to compete. It's not just as simple as going up at the register and it's all done. I think you've got to offer more than that. And with the liquidity in smart pay, you know, there's 11,000 shares traded today. It's just really too illiquid. Uh, it's not really been doing much. It's very New Zealand based. And, and as Gaurav says, you know, that they're the market dominant player in New Zealand and they can't make a quid mm -hmm. there. What hope have they got going up against the big boys here? If you're going to go for either of the two, I think Tyro still looks kind of interesting. I'm just not sure what price it looks interesting at because I think there's still some more downside to come, especially with this sell-off we're seeing at the moment with fintechs and techs in particular the likes of zip and afterpay and you know sezzle they're all getting smacked around big time uh, and tyro is going to be in the same boat as this for some time i think the big guys still you know our big banks the big four and they still make billions and billions of dollars in profits despite all these fintechs and disruptors saying you know oh, we're going to do something different none of these guys make any money the big four making 25 billion dollars in profits during the four of them paying massive dividends, 
nothing's really changed. Um, so I think avoid both of them for the time being. Those big four banks, they, they really are a terrible solution for the end customer. So just, just a quick example on that. Um, so if you're a little merchant and you're processing a transaction, if you're using a CBA terminal, CBA will route your transaction through the, um, their own kind of network, um, regardless of how much it would cost. Tyro has this really clever software that actually um, tries to find the cheapest um, routing method for that particular transaction mm -hmm. and automatically routes that transaction through that network. Mm -hmm. So it actually saves consumers money every single time. Um, they're getting 5x their market share in new business every single year. So they're actually taking a lot of market share from the majors. Mm -hmm. And I just think that these big banks, this is a, a tiny part of their business. Um, Commonwealth Bank did a, a huge investment in the Albert system mm -hmm. and um, you know I, this they spent sort of multiples of what their competitors spent and Tyra is still taking market share for them mm -hmm. I just think the you look over time um, and I know it doesn't look the financials don't look good today because it's a it's a super scale game but over time if these trends sort of continue you, you could see Tyro making um, a lot more money. So I've got, I think I had in, in one of my models sort of 60 million. I don't like to talk, talk about models. Uh -huh. I'm not a big fan of them, but it does show you what's possible. And, and I think you can see Tyra making a lot more money simply because it does far better job of, of satisfying, of solving the problem for the customer and the banks do a terrible job of it. Well, there's your bonus buy from Gaurav Sodi mm. from the intelligent investor at Tyro. Let's get on to number four, Web Central Group for Harshal. I'll start with you on this one, Henry. He says, I've held it for a few months with 5G and merger and synergies. I was hoping the price would push higher, but it's actually fallen to 39 cents now. Appreciate your views of whether I should accumulate more at current levels, hold or sell. That's specific because we can do get a lot of questions about timing the market as well. You know, if you're going to sell, when do you do so? What's your view on Web Central? Uh, well, this, I mean, it's a tricky one. This, these guys uh, basically, you know, 5G N uh, were, were basically merged with Web Central. I think 5G's now got 17, 18% ended up with five, with that percentage of Web Central. These guys run the, uh, you know, the website domain hosting. Uh, you can uh, build your own website through these guys. They've got data centers as well now. They're, together, they should be greater, but the problem I have with a lot of these sort of mergers and takeovers is a lot of egos at play, a lot of bedding down, a lot of um, people that need to um, you know, work out where the business is going. It's all well and good doing a, a merger or an acquisition, but it does take time to settle things down. So at this level, under 40 cents, it's starting to show small signs that it could tick back up, but I have to say uh, I'm a little bit uh, on the sidelines with this one. I'd like to see some evidence that the two companies are, are on the right track uh, together as opposed to two companies colliding. It was a very long, drawn-out process from memory, the merger of uh, these two, and Cadence Capital were involved as well. They were big holders of Web Central for a long, long time, and it was quite a complicated and, and not, the, not the most amicable of mergers, shall we mm -hmm. say, I don't think. It's, um, so I'd like to see evidence that they're on the right track Probably not a sell here because the damage has been done to some extent. If, you're, if you've got them, you might continue to hold them, but I think you're going to, be, you're going to have to be patient, I think, with this one for, uh, for those synergies, the benefits, and the bedding down of the two teams to come together. So I, 
I certainly wouldn't be buying it. I think there's other things that are starting mm -hmm. to look cheap uh, in that sort of sector, That uh, you know, especially after some of the sell-offs we've had in the last week or so. So not for me, but uh, it's probably a hold, a weak hold at the moment. A weak hold. There's a new one. Let's talk about <laughs> what your yeah. view is, Crab. Haven't we done that one before? I'm sure we've ah, done weak holds. I don't know. Weak hold. That's, that's like really on the fringes, I think. Smidge. Anyhow, Gaurav, are you a strong like hold a or what are you thinking? Um, I generally don't believe in weak positions. I think if you're going to be in the market, um, if you're going to act, a, a, a source of action ought to be taken with conviction. Otherwise, you do not act. You either act with conviction or you don't act. Yeah. Um, and Web Central, I'm afraid I don't have a lot of conviction. I've never heard of it before. Um, I, so what I'm about to say is really only over a, a short amount of research. So keep that in mind. But um, there's a few things to like about it. So half their revenue comes from, from government contracts, which is usually an attractive thing. Um, the management actually is well credentialed. They've come from, from um, they've done things in the past. They've come from, from um, well credentialed places and um, they have experience. So that, that's a good thing too. But I'm afraid it falls down from there. These guys are in everything. So domain hosting is, is their main game. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible business. Let's look up what's happened to Melbourne IT. That is not a great business to be in. Um, cloud hosting, again, super competitive. Managed services, these are all buzzy words they mm -hmm. don't necessarily mish together and my suspicion looking through this was this has all the appearance of a business that's trying really really hard to get big mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that businesses will as investors we want businesses to get big but what i'm really looking for is a business that solves a problem a business that does something to help a customer that creates value somewhere and if you can create value for someone then down the line you're going to make money and your shareholders are going to make money and these guys i mean uh, the, the, the management is, has openly said that their ambition here is to create an ASX 300 business. Once management has uttered that, I have no interest in this stock. Um, I don't want to invest alongside someone whose sole ambition is to create a big business. You know, um, I want to invest alongside someone who wants to solve a problem, to create value for someone, or to, or to, uh, to do a service for mm -hmm. a customer. That is the way to make money. Uh, and getting big for the sake of getting big is going to lead to other deals and the history of these big deals is terrible. Um, look, it looks fine on numbers. There's, there's no bombs in there, and the numbers actually look um, quite attractive. But from a strategy point of view, I don't understand what they're trying to do other than get big for the sake of getting big. So would you sell? Yes, I would. Thank you. Let's get on to number five on the list. We are halfway through this program, a little bit over on time. Northern Star Resources for Kylie. Uh, I'll start with you for a change, Henry, on this one. I, I think I know that you prefer the big, big, um, you know, gold miners out there, Northern Star being one of them here in Australia. Uh, and look, we're in this uncertain period. We could potentially see the gold price rising. I guess you have to have a fundamental view, but then you put the Australian dollar and the weakness that we've seen lately into the mix as well. Would you be buying Northern Star right now? Um, I'm a bit of a gold fan, I, I have to say, Nadine. I think it's um, unfortunately a little bit range-bound at the moment, sort of 1750 to 1800. It did burst above that briefly, but soon came back down to earth with the thud. So I guess it's, it's really a question of where you think the gold price is going. Couple that, of course, with where you think the Aussie dollar is going. And at 70 cents, uh, that does make the Aussie gold price look quite attractive. Northern Star has had its problems, and Pogo in Canada is its problem child at the moment. It does seem that most gold companies do always have a sort of a problem child in the wings. But, uh, you know, if you're going to if you like gold and you want to go with quality, this is not a bad place to be 
you know, the Calgary Super Pit, uh, good management, experienced team, good leverage to the gold price. There's probably smaller ones that I favor, uh, Bellevue and DeGray, and I think it's hard to go past Evolution as well with Jake Klein, who is a class act uh, driving that show. So there are a few out there. This one, obviously, is one of the leaders up with Newcrest as well. So it's it's sort of a, a big uh, a big sort of juggernaut super tanker. But I think if you like the gold price, uh, this is not a bad way to go. And we have seen a, a little bit of interest in gold recently as a, as a bit of a hedge. At least it's been going slightly up in the last few days. So uh, I don't mind it here. I wouldn't be piling in. I prefer others, I think, that have got greater leverage to the gold price. Bellevue and DeGray and maybe Evolution as well. So. It's a hold. Do you see things uh, differently to that, Gaurav? I'm very fond of Northern Star. This, I, have a, I have a history with this business. When I was starting out as an analyst, um, I noticed that this little company, which was less than a dollar at the time, um, and no one wanted to buy gold stocks at the time, went out and, and purchased um, sort of four mines that Barrick was mm -hmm. selling because it wanted to get out of Australia. And um, these guys, who were run by ex-Barrick staff, by the way, went out and purchased those four mines, and the market didn't notice. And I remember telling the team about it and told the investor that, you know, this is, like, this is a great sign. We've got to buy this. And I think this is one of the first gold stocks we ever recommended, mm -hmm. um, less than a dollar. Um, sold it too cheap, of course. I think we sold it at $4 or something and got out. But, um, but I've been really, I've been following the progress of the business, been super impressed with it ever since. Um, but I'm actually going to go counter um, consensus here. This has become the consensus buy mm -hmm. in the sector. Everyone loves this company because it has done so well for a long time. I see a few warning signs here, to be honest, Nadine. I, the, the founder, not the founder, the, the long-term CEO has left to do something else. The long-term chairman, who was a real important driving force behind this business, who allocated capital superbly, um, um, oversaw acquisitions superbly, he's left. And when the CEO and the chairman of a business leave um, within a short space of one another, and you get not someone who's passionate about gold or mining, but a doyen of WA industry like Michael Cheney coming on as chair, he's a wonderful businessman. Mm -hmm. Certainly no disparagement on him, mm -hmm. but, he's, but he's not- Not the, a gold man. Not a gold man. It's not where I'd be putting my gold dollars. I agree with Henry that gold is really attractive. For the first time in, in 10 years, probably an attractive place for capital, and I hate investing in gold generally. But um, there are better names than this. Um, Evolution, I have a, I'm, again, a huge fondness for Jake Klein. I think he's the best gold CEO in the country. Gold Road, Romelius, both show great promise. And geez, Regis is very cheap. So I'd make a little portfolio out of those four, and I'd actually be selling Northern Star to do it. That's a sell for Northern Star coming from Gaurav Sodi from the Intelligent Investor. We're halfway. We'll do this quickly. A sell for our stock of the day from Gaurav. Gaurav, I am going to just um, interrupt here because I've had a viewer email in and say, what do you mean sell slowly? If you hold a stake, don't sell it all in an hour. Maybe sell a little bit this month, a little bit next month because it has a lot of operating momentum. And so it's quite possible that you get broker upgrades pushing the price mm -hmm. higher. It's quite possible next quarter ends up being just as strong. Sell slowly. Take it in tranches. There you go. Yeah. Sell slowly from Gorava Hold for Henry because he does believe that there could be a bit of an upgrade cycle coming as we continue to see people spending. Deep yellow, it is an avoid for both of my guests. 
Silex was mentioned out of interest by Gorab, but I still don't think it was a pierce buy on Silex either, so that's not going to be the bonus. To be fair, Henry's points were actually mostly correct. Okay, there you go. Henry, credit where credit is due. Genworth, it's a buy from both of my guests. It's going in the portfolio. Smart pay, it is a hold for Gorab. He's interested by it. Not so for Henry because it's not making money where it's got its biggest market, so that's a warning sign for him. It's also illiquid. The, the bonus buy is Tyro payments from Gorav in that payment space. You can go back and listen again if you're interested. Now, when it comes to Web Central, look, Gorav just hates companies that want to get big for the sake of getting big. It is a sell for him. It is a weak hold for Henry. Uh, look, he would definitely not be adding to the position, but if you've been holding it and you've brought it all the way down, he thinks you should hold on. You could see a bit of an uptick from here. Now, when it comes to Northern Star, it is a hold for Henry, but he prefers Bellevue, DeGray, and Evolution. Uh, Gorav also has a soft spot for Evolution as well. Gold, Road, Romelius, and Regis, and he would be selling Northern Star to put together a little portfolio of those goldies. Okay, so that is where we're at. Our NAB trade portfolio, or I should say thanks to our friends at NAB trade. Uh, the fantasy portfolio basically comes together when we get two buys from our guests. I think most of you know the rules out there. So let's check in on how we're performing. We are down weekly by three tenths of a percent, down over 2% on the month. And year to date though, we are close to 7% higher. Uh, since the fund's inception, that's July 1st of 2020, we're up by 43.6%. We added Adore Beauty just on Friday, Hub24 as well, PTB Group. This was a, a very positive show that we had on Friday. That's in the aviation space if you wanted to have a look. Top Shelf International and Globe. We have taken out Atomos, BAPCOR. BAPCOR could have been the stock of the day today. I mean, it's getting hammered as its long-term CEO, Daryl Lobotomy, stepped out immediately. He was supposed to stay on for that transition. Shares are down by 6% at this stage of the game. Harvey Norman and Southern Cross Media. You can check it out yourself at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Let's get on with it, shall we? Because we've got a, another five stocks to get through in about 20 minutes. Camplify. For Jason, uh, yes, yeah, specifically wanted your view on Camplify, which is a company that has done very well, thank you very much, through this pandemic. Yeah, um, I own Camplify, and um, not because it's a marvellous business today, but mm. it could be. The best businesses to buy, in my view, are these marketplaces. When you can put, um, when you can create a market with either a buyer or seller or a one-sided market, these are always and everywhere tremendous businesses that make that generate so much value um, just look at rea and and think about where this was a couple of years ago where everyone thought it was too expensive myself included and it's just rocketed ahead and mm -hmm. got miles more to go um, over the years now camplify is the very early stage of that of that journey they are trying to put together the airbnb of of, of camper vans and yeah. rvs um, and the story of how it founded is great it's it's a it's a guy who wanted to go on holiday with his family 
um, but his wife didn't have a lot of RVing experience. So instead of buying a camper van, they wanted to rent it, couldn't find anywhere to do it, so set up his own platform. And I just love those origin stories where um, someone is trying to solve his own problem and ends up um, creating a mm -hmm. business out of it. They have great endings generally. Uh, it's too early to predict a great ending for this one, but the growth has been insane. The Look, the valuation looks silly. It looks silly. Um, but it's only a $150 million business. And if you have a successful marketplace, they are worth billions, typically. Mm -hmm. So I'm holding this. I know it looks silly, but forget about what it looks like today. Imagine what it would look like in five or 10 years' time. If it works, it's going to be a bonanza. If it doesn't work, you're probably going to lose a lot of money. So why not buy then? Because it is down by close to 17% over the past month. Yeah. Look, you, I guess you, you can buy it. For me, these are the sort of things you buy in pessimism in gloom, and I think we're gonna have a bit of gloom coming. Um, Henry's kind of alluded already, we've got a bit of a change in the market psychology at the moment. Um, these non-profitable theme stocks are getting hit, and I expect they're gonna to continue to get hit. I, I think you might get a chance to buy a Camplify at, at cheaper prices, mm -hmm. and if that comes to pass, I think it will be a buy. But for now, there's a lot of heat in this stock still. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a long-term investor, I'm happy to sit there and hold it. Keep it a small allocation, but but, the hardest thing will be just to hold it for a long time because this could be very big. It could fizzle out and be nothing. Mm -hmm. But these are the sort of risks that are worth taking in the market. I talk about intelligent speculation. This is the, is the perfect example of intelligent speculation. What do you think of Camplify, Henry? Uh, yes, no, not for me. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I mean, it's a, fan it's a fantastic idea. I've got a bloke across the road from me who's got a fantastic camper trader. I keep looking at it and thinking, mate, it just sits there. Mm -hmm. all the time it's a it's a great idea great platform uh, I think there are issues with the go around you can go around you know the guy across the road if I found him on Camplify I could just go around and actually knock on his door and say hey mate can you lend me your camper trailer so I think that is a problem for me it is a bit of a reopening play as well and I think that's partly why it's been sold off because as the economy reopens and we can then go traveling I'm assuming we, we still can to some extent then uh, people get on a plane rather than do hashtag van life and drive around the uh, drive around the world or drive around Australia. So not for me at the moment, I have to say. Uh, I think it will come lower. Uh, I think it's a great idea, uh, but uh, I think we wouldn't be surprised to see two dollars fifty for this one, which is uh, you know a buck off this one at the moment. So great idea, wrong price. Uh, maybe a much better opportunity down the track to uh, to get this one, and uh, it is a great idea, but. Great ideas don't always translate into great businesses. Henry's point is quite right. Generally, oh, with, some, with some of, with, with these work, um, with, the, with these work, with these weak network businesses, yeah. you can actually go around them. So things like, um, uh, what's the one I'm thinking about, Henry? Airtasker. Airtasker, thank you. Yes, Airtasker. Airtasker, yeah, you can, freelancer. E yep, freelancer. You can go around those easily. This is not one of those. Um, a key um, offering in Camplify is insurance and payments and no one is going to, the reason why this has not been solved by Airbnb or some other platform in the past is because you need huge scale to actually get the insurance deals going. I know someone who's trying to um, start one of these businesses and he says he can't get off the ground because he can't get the starting insurance scale happening. Mm -hmm. um, and also you have to integrate a payments platform, a deposit platform. It's not as easy 
to leave the platform as it may appear. Um, it's, it's certainly a problem for, for weak networks. Mm -hmm. I think this is a stronger network. Yeah, because if I'm thinking I'm going to go and I'm not going to go lend my RV, even no. if they pay me a bunch of money yes. you know, to anybody uh, yeah. that I don't know and uh, on their word. Um, Henry, if you were, and I'm going to push this point mm -hmm. because it's in the Ausbiz portfolio, not to bias you in any way, but if you already were holding uh, Campify, would you continue to hold? Uh, no, I think you're going to get it cheaper. I think you could. I don't think you're going to miss out. If you sold here at three dollars fifty odd, I don't think you're going to miss out. This had a big run after the IPO. I think you'll get this at two dollars fifty in the next six months. <laughs> it's out. It's uh, out of the portfolio. Henry has made his sorry, mark. Sorry. No, this is this <laughs> is uh, them's the sorry. rules. All right, Karoon Energy for DAF. Karoon, uh, K A R Henry. Let's keep it a little bit tight. Hmm. Um, I've owned this one for a long time. I like it. Brazilian oil production, uh, Bauna. Uh, they've got a lot of hedging in place. I think the market has miss, missed that to some extent. They hedge 30% of their production uh, with a good hedging deal, uh, which caps the downside and does give them upside. I like this one, but the, the oil price from you know 80 bucks to 68 bucks has hurt this. I think you know if we see the oil price steady, this is a way to go. Uh, it's very hard to find second tier oil stocks in our market. I don't like beach. I think this is a really good alternative to the likes of beach for uh, oil bulls. I'm going to continue holding this one. Hold. And what do you think, Gaurav, because mm. to Henry's point, it's actually producing mm. in the smaller end of the market. We could mm. actually see some M&A activity in the smaller end of the market, don't you think? Indeed. Yes, I actually own this as well. Um, and and um, I, I agree. It's been a buy for us for quite some time and it remains a buy now. Um, the only thing I'll add is that um, these guys are engaging in M&A, so capital allocation is super important. That's the thing I'm really looking for. They are expanding at a rapid knot, and, and um, the production numbers that they put out at the moment do not reflect um, the potential of production overall. They've got another two fields they can tie into the existing infrastructure. They can potentially double production quite cheaply. Um, and then there's a couple of um, CapEx things they can do to, to increase it further. I, I think potentially this is a $4 stock, potentially, hmm. if they can do all that successfully. Um, so I'm holding it for a while. But um, the people here are going to be really important. Karoon has been an awful business for a long time, and I was only comfortable to buy in after the, um, after this, the founder and CEO left. I didn't like him. And his CFO son left. Not a fan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and after I saw management change, I saw excellent quality people come on the board. Um, Ex-AWE, um, some, some ex-Shell um, Brazil people, yeah. really highly credentialed people involved with the company. When I saw that, I'm more than happy to buy in. Those guys are going to be tested because they have a lot of capital, a mm -hmm. lot of ambition, and they have to allocate it carefully. So watch that capital allocation carefully. But you've got really good staff now, really good management. And, and that'll make all the difference. There's still a stink about this, and, and, and the instos don't like it because it's got such a terrible history. Uh -huh. So I think that's the opportunity still. So is it a buy? It is a buy. That's a buy. Mm. Um, so is a father-son combo CEO, CFO, a bit, of a, a bit of a flashing light for you? Look, this is a good example of where everyone thinks that um, having a founder at the helm and, and being a family business is always a good thing. It is not always a good thing. It yeah. can be a good thing but it can also be toxic. And he's an example of a business that has done badly for a long time because of that very reason. Thank you. Now let's get to number eight on the list, Maggie Beer Holdings, NBH for Pauline. Gaurav, I'll start with you mm. because we are in a 
eat at home environment still, mm. you know, I know that things will change as the lockdowns continue to lift and everybody gets out and about again, but a lot of these companies have done well. Would you be buying into Maggie Beer? Again, this is more interesting than I would have thought. I would have completely thought, no, the idea is it's a weak business and it has been a weak business for a long time. But again, you've got management change and you've got a much better strategy direction here. So they've refocus the business on the Maggie Beer brand, which seems like an obvious thing to do, yeah, but they, they weren't they doing it. No, they, they were a long table or something like yes, that. Yes, that's right. Very yeah, very strange. Yeah. And they've got another pretty good brand, which I think is underestimated, Prairie Farms. Uh -huh. um, they do dairy and they've recently gone into milk and they've got good distribution points with the big supermarkets. Now they're massively increasing the Maggie Beer um, product launch, uh, product points, sorry. Um, they reckon they can double revenue and sort of 5x operating earnings. And because it's been a poorly performing business, mm -hmm. I think there's a bit of skepticism about that. I'm going to call it a hold because I haven't seen management executing all that well, but geez, they look pretty good. I think this is one to keep an eye on um, over the next couple of months and, and watch the execution. There is a potential opportunity here. Um, if all works out, it's probably trading at 12 times operating earnings, which for a fast growing business with a really good online store and good points of distribution, expanding product range, that's okay. I go, right. I go hold looking looking to buy where I need a bit more conviction. Now, Henry, what, what do you think of Maggie Beer? Because obviously the name brand recognition here in Australia is huge and people yep. will pay for quality. Uh, they will. I like this one. I've got to say, I, I looked at it uh, briefly this morning and it does uh, tick a few boxes. Good brand recognition. As you say, why they weren't trading on the back of that is beyond me. I mean, that just seems dumb 101. But they've got the Paris Creek farm business, which is the dairy Paris business, Creek. which is doing well. That's pushing into Woolies. And it does taste good. The milk is good. I've got to say, I've been a bit of a fan. <laughs> I, I like this stock, I have to say. And they've just taken over the hampers and gifts Australia. Uh, the online business is doing well. The e-commerce side is doing well. Good management, good branding. Uh, they've got skin in the game. Maggie hasn't got quite so much skin in the game. I think she's only got a couple of percent. But uh, I like this one. So she has me, been buying it's though. Buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a buy. Ah, there you go. Yeah, mm. and Maggie Beer apparently. And Maggie Beer, yeah. yeah. Inside Tech Pivot for yeah. Adam. Mm -hmm. Let's stick with you, Henry. You're on screen right now. IPL is the ticker code. What do you think? Um, I. I don't mind this one. Fertilizer is um, is going gangbusters at the moment. Fertilizer prices are going up so much so that we might actually have a shortage uh, next year of a thing called AdBlue, which is the stuff that urea uh, gets turned into to add to diesel to take out some of the pollutants. And China controls most of this. Instatech pivot, explosives and fertilizer. I think this is a good combo. I like this. It has been sold down. Uh, but I think it's probably unjustifiably so. I think this is a buy around three bucks. Buy at three dollars, and it's at three dollars three right now. A lot of the brokers like this one. Overweight, um, ad outperformed buy. I won't go through who is all saying that. But what do you think, Gaurav, an intelligent investor? Yeah, it does worry me when I see the brokers have a consensus. Look, they're very sharp individuals, and they do a lot of work on the stock but there is so much hurting at the big end of the market. People think you can only find inefficiencies in small caps. I think there are so many inefficiencies in big caps. When you get lots of people offering an opinion and looking at the same company, they're looking at one eye with, at the company with one eye and each other with the other eye. 
it's amazing how often opinions tend to herd mm -hmm. together. And when you got opinions herding together, if it's the wrong opinion, you get huge mispricings. And you see this. I mean, Apple, the world's biggest company, every analyst in the world covers it. Hugely mispriced for years and years and years. Amazon, hugely mispriced for years. And, and you get that from time to time. So I'm, you know, a bit, a bit, who, who's covering what and what price target? A lot of people pay attention to that. I do not. This is a poor quality business. It's been a lousy business for a long time. Thank goodness Nathan isn't here because he's been telling me to buy it for ages and he's been right. <laughs> but I can't do it. I have, a, I have a quality filter. I'm not willing to pay, um, pay a, 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 an attractive price for a lousy quality business. And that's what you're doing. You are, it, look, Henry's right. The external environment is extremely attractive. If buying crappy cyclical stocks is your thing, you can probably buy this and it'll probably <laughs> go up. But it's not my thing. It's still a sell for me. I'd rather be elsewhere. Yeah. I love it. Makes a market. Henry's <laughs> buying what Gaurav is selling, and that is Inside Tech Pivot. Adam, there's your answer. Let's get to the last on our list. Harrison is asking about Oceana Healthcare, OCA. Um, I didn't know a lot about this company, Henry. Are you familiar with Oceana Healthcare? No, never heard of it before, mm. Nadine. Wouldn't touch it. it. It trades by appointment only. There's 2,000 shares traded today. It's a New Zealand retirement home company, 890 million market cap. Looks, you know, apart from the fact it doesn't trade, um, it looks fine. But yeah, why? <laughs> not, not um, there's, there's so many stocks out there that you could choose that actually have some liquidity that you can buy and sell without having to move the price 10%. I wouldn't bother with this one. No what reason do you think, to be Brad? there. Look, the points were made. If, if you're buying a low liquidity stock, I, I'd do it. I mean, my, my, my biggest holding personally is a low liquidity stock. And I would do it, but I have to have a lot of conviction in the idea. And I don't quite have that conviction here. So the thing to look for with these, um, so we should explain. So Oceana owns um, retirement villages yeah. and, and healthcare um, age facilities in, in New Zealand. You really need to understand the revenue model here because um, every facility can have a different way of mm -hmm. raising revenue. It can be by bond, it can be by rent, it could be through a reverse mortgage. Yeah. There are lots of different ways to do it and you really need to drill down. The numbers mean nothing because they can all um, vary depending on the revenue recognition of the business. The best in class here is Lifestyle Communities, yes. which is an outstanding company. I've been trying to buy that thing for years and never managed to do it, but that's, that's on my list to buy. This one is not. Um, just if you're looking at it, um, just keep in mind that revenue recognition point, um, and and you can't really compare it very easily. But but lifestyle communities, um, everyone should have that on their watch list. Great business. Mm -hmm. It would take a big market sell yes, down. It will. To it make needs that. to. Okay, <laughs> it's right. very expensive. Yeah. Um, listen, mm. I'll just run you through these quickly, very quickly. I know we're getting a little bit late in the piece. Camplify. It is a hold. Gaurav says it is worth the risk, but he would wait till we see some sort of a pullback to be adding to his position. He owns it personally. <clears throat> Henry's not a big believer. It's a sell. He says that you can get it much, much cheaper and uh, he wouldn't be paying up for it at all. Now, Karun is a hold for Henry Jennings. It's a buy for Gaurav Sodhi. He says, though, you need to watch out for how capital is allocated in the coming while. Maggie Beer, both guys getting interested in this one. It's a buy for Henry Jennings at Marcus today. It's a hold for Gaurav, but it's on his watch list. He's going to be watching to see the execution of the strategy. He's going to be watching this one. You're welcome, Gaurav. I love when we can bring companies to your attention. <laughs> Inside Tech Pivot, it's a buy for Henry Jennings. It's a sell for Gaurav, not passing his quality filter. Henry Jennings said, why on earth would you buy Oceana Healthcare? OCA is the ticker code. It's by appointment only. Henry does not 
dance to the beat of anyone else's drums. And Gaurav says, look, it's just a complete lack of conviction uh, for this company. He acts with conviction. He would love to act with conviction when it comes to lifestyle communities. That brings us to the end of this program. Thank you so much for watching. Henry Jennings, Marcus Today, thank you so much for stepping in today. We really appreciate it. As always, have a good one. My pleasure. Thanks, Nadine. Thanks, Gaurav. And Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. It's been a pleasure to be in the same room as you again. Thank you very much. Very kind. Thank you, Nadine. Thanks, Henry. All right. We will wrap it up there. And we look forward to getting some of your questions into the call at osbiz.com.au. And don't forget to check out that portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.